telling you, we've been shifting gears on focusing on what we declare war over. Some was anxiety, some was, whoo, that was a good one. Uh, still can try to track it. But this late, latest one is the F-bomb. Dropping the F-bomb. And it is something that is vicious. Forgiveness is challenging. Forgiveness hurts. Forgiveness is crazy. But when you can drop the F-bomb, you are so liberated, so released. And so that's what we've been into. And I want to talk today a little bit on this same subject. And I pray that today, today's going to be a little different. I pray you're ready. I, I pray that what is going to be said is going to pierce the heart. I think a little bit is going to be what I've been reading in the Word of God, but also in some books and also some studies and some videos. I've been digging, 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 and I'm going to share with you something. So it's going to be more like kind of a teaching slash preaching it's going to be more surgical than it is anything else. And so I hope you're ready because this stuff that I'm going to talk about, it, it, it's deep stuff. But for this message to be effective, it must break through the walls. All the walls. All the walls of self. All the walls of self-justification. To get near the heart. So we need God to prepare the surface. The word of God says that he's the great physician. That he divides between bone and marrow. Like that's how good he is. Like I'd rather be on an operating table all by myself with the presence of God than anywhere else. Because he knows what's best. And sometimes those things don't feel good. But they make us better. And if our heart isn't right, it will make you bitter. And that's where we come into blaming church, like the building did anything to you, but it's people. We blame people, we blame God, we run, we do all these things because God's trying to form and develop individuals. And what we like sometimes is an easy way out because we don't want to deal and what do we do when we don't want to deal? Hit the lead. Do all those other things. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to get right into it. It's going to be a little different. I hope that you're prepared. I hope you're ready. And I hope that this is something that's going to help you today. And challenge you today. And set you free today. Because we need that in our life. God wrecked my world with with. With just the scripture alone. Let me read it to you. Luke 17, 1 through 6. Then he said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offense it should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him. If a millstone were hung around his neck and he would be thrown into the sea, 
then that he would offend one of these children, one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. It talks about rebuking them. Going, if you got a problem with somebody, the word of God says take your problem to that person. Don't take it to anybody else because they're not going to change it. There's nothing they can do that's going to solve the problem you need to face. So you, if you have a problem with somebody, you need to talk to that person. Quit talking to five other people and get to the source. It's going to be like that. <laughs> so rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day, and seven times in a day return to, to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles, that we went from disciples to the apostles. The apostles said to the Lord, after hearing all this, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree or the sycamine tree, be pulled up by the roots. And be planted in the sea. Be thrown into the sea. And it will obey you. I want to talk to you. If, if I had a title, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to say this. Increase my faith. Dropping the F-bomb. Mm. I mean, you think about this. The disciples are having this conversation. Like, if he's going to do it seven times or seven times 70 or whatever, and you keep forgiving, and they're like, oh. Increase my faith. Increase my faith. What is crazy and I find so crazy is those who have been forgiven by Jesus Christ himself often find it difficult to forgive. We talked about it last week, doing the right back. If you don't forgive those, your heavenly father said he won't forgive you. That's the math. That's the formula. Now, somewhere we get it twisted where we say his grace is sufficient for our needs, and it is. But what he says is if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. It is unforgivable to be unforgivable. You're not hearing it from me. I'm just reading what the Word of God says. That has transcended all of this. That's lived throughout all your generations and your grandparents and your great-grandparents and your great-great-great-great-grandparents. Like that's crazy. Being yeah. said the exact same way. Like crazy. Difficult to forgive. So Christ forgives us, but yet we find it difficult to forgive. And here's where it gets a little tricky. If you're praising, if you're worshiping, you're giving, you're giving in time. And you are not expecting the connectivity from the heaven, from Heavenly Father that you're singing about. Do you hear me? If you're praising and you're worshiping and you're giving and you're giving in tithes and you feel like you're doing all the steps as a Christian, but you're not experiencing the connectivity from heaven that you're shouting about, that you're saying amen about, that you're lifting your hands about, then this must happen. 
Further testing must be done. See, I was at the doctor, and there was a testimony about the, the situation that I dealt with. I was, ish, I had huge issues, and I've, I've been real open and honest and transparent about all. I had fatty liver. They, it was so extreme that they were going to put me on a list. I get a transplant, and all this stuff was happening, and I was mad, and I thought, well, God, this should have changed, and I did the work for a small season, didn't see results. It got worse. I sat down. Nothing happened. And you know what's crazy, side note to that, is because um, some of your miracle might have to be with you actually putting feet to it. You need to change this and this. And I'm thinking, I'm to some of your miracle might take you taking steps to get to that miracle. But there was times when things were going on and it didn't make sense in the test. And like, you're not overweight. I mean, you could be a little bit, but you're not real overweight that we see. You don't drink alcohol. What's going on here? This doesn't make sense. And they made this statement to me. Further testing must be done. I don't know if you go to the hospital a lot or you've been a part of hospitals, but you just feel like a stinking pushpin, guinea pig, whatever you want to call it. And it's not enjoyable to keep going. But they said further testing must be done. There were times... <laughs> that my wife would have to deal with a lot of different things and wonder why she's allergic to so many things and she would get tests done and they wouldn't make sense and nothing would add up and she would say, I know inside my body something's off. I know my body. And things wouldn't add up and then guess what? The doctor would come back and say, but further testing must be done because we took this test and it doesn't show something so we have to do another test. Further testing must be done. Further testing has to be done. If you pass several tests and you're still systematic, do you hear me, church? If you pass several tests and you're still systematic, if you come to church on Sundays and you're a faithful tither and you love to worship God and you read your word, yet your peace, your blessing, and your prosperity is shut up, then further testing must be done. You raise your hands, you shout, you say, that's good, come on. Whatever the case is, and if things aren't connecting with heaven, then further testing must be done. Because it needs to come from the inside out. But too many times, just like we do and we say on social media and stuff, a lot of people want to show the best and hide the rest. You know people I see on I was talking about this. The other day with my parents, I'm like, you know how many people take all these great pictures online and, and it's so fake because they put a filter over it, make it look beautiful? You know how much more beautiful they are without the filters that shine them up and make them look so like a Barbie? Guys and girls. Like, why do we think that we get all the compliments off the things that we put over our face? But further testing must be done. Better slow down. I'm not going to be mad. <laughs> Some stuff you can't shout through. You can't hoop through. You can't holler through. You can't even run through. Do your little church dance through. All of it can be like a camouflage. Whoa, that's good. Yeah, whoa, praise the Lord. And you, you, all you've done is camouflage what's really going on. And we want to put a God stamp on it and act like everything's going on 
and it's all good. You can't camouflage it. Because beneath the surface, there is not the peace, the joy, and the flow of the Holy Spirit. There's no flow of the Holy Spirit that you would like to have. And you keep throwing Christianism over dysfunction. That's even the right phrase, but that's all I can think about in that moment. We try to throw all this stuff being a Christian over the dysfunction and hide behind it. And if that's the case, and things don't add up, then further testing must be done. Let me show you how, how it ought to work. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. I was studying, just digging in the pure part. The word pure is the same rendering word for uh, this word called catharsis, which in the Greek means to clean, to remove dirt, blemishes, for a purpose of rendering something, a place, or being pure. That same word also, it, it, it also means release of emo emotional tension after an overwhelming, what they say, a vicarious experience, resulting in purging or purification of emotion. That's a lot to take in right there. But it, actually, if you study words, it can, in, in, in the Greek or the Hebrew, you can blow your mind at what they really mean. The word pure is that same rendering, actually, what they use in the medical term, called catheter. Now, a lot of people don't want to hear that word. <laughs> they want nothing to do with the catheter. But what the catheter does, if you know, you know, what does it do? It drains impurities. It drains the impurities. When they put a catheter in you, they drain out your impurities without you making a decision to go to the restroom. As it builds up, it just drains out and it helps keep the impurities from collecting up. Blessed are those who push out what you don't need so you can keep what you do need. Blessed are those who push at what you don't need so you can keep what you do need. Blessed are the pure in heart. But they shall see God. See, this is about the heart. Has nothing to do with the flesh. This is way deeper than that. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Being blessed. When I think about being blessed, I think about that story of, of Joseph. Joseph, they called him the dreamer. He had all these brothers. His, uh, he was loved. His dad loved him just as much as, as he loved the other brothers. But something stood out different from Joseph than it did the other brothers. 
You got to read these stories in the Bible. They'll change your life, for real. And what was crazy is Joseph had a difference. And the big difference between Joseph and his brothers was how Joseph kept his heart. That was the big difference. Had Joseph not been pure in heart, had he not basically had a catheter in his heart draining out the impurities of how he felt, had he not used every opportunity to release the impurities of offense that was executed against him, then when his brothers came to him, he would have sought out revenge on them. He would have not fulfilled the purpose of being blessed in the first place because he would have had so much bitterness inside of him, wouldn't have trusted them with a level of, of, of wealth and influence. That bitterness would have sunk in. All that frustration would have set in because Joseph, his brothers were mad at him. They took him. He got slaved. He was working for somebody else, got accused. And bottom line is he got elevated to be like second in command of Egypt. And that there is where it all started when we're talking about Moses bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. It, they came to Egypt to be saved before that even happened. And so if all that bitterness would have set in on him, he would not have been at the level that he was with all the knowledge and understanding, with wealth, with the money, with the power, all the stuff that he was able to accomplish. If he allowed the bitterness, frustration, and anger, all those things that set in us at times to take over, he would have missed out on what God was trying to do. And I guess the reality is, is when vindictive people get more money, they just get more vicious with the money they got. God blesses the people that he can trust. God will bless the people he can trust. That you don't have to have an agenda. That you, you, you lift above him. You don't have to have anything else that you are trying to pre-elevate yourself from God. You don't have to have any of that. He can deposit more into you because you don't have a score to settle. And you're not on a mission to get even. He can do so much more with you when you just let the pureness of your heart just let it be open. I hope this is helping. I know this is kind of different, but the pure and heart thing means that if I'm going to be blessed, that I must continue to throw off the infections of life because offenses do come. I got to keep throwing them off because they do come. There's no need to be praying this prayer. Lord, put me in an environment where there are no offenses. God, if I could just be in an environment where no offenses occur, that would be amazing. Please, God. And here's the problem we face because we want that in our lives where we're just so frustrated at these kind of things and we pray these prayers. 
But the problem with the juvenile understanding of, of the church today is that we keep asking God to do things that violate his word. Put me in an atmosphere where there's no offenses. And here's the problem. You keep looking for the perfect job. That's why you're not happy at the job you are. You're at. Because you worship the idea of the perfect job without offense. <laughs> or I'll take a little deeper if it didn't sting enough. You keep worshiping and looking for the perfect man. You keep looking for the perfect woman. So anything that doesn't come up to that gets rejected because you're trying to find a place where offenses don't come. You try to find a place and they keep on coming. That's why you're 33 years old and been to 12 churches. You're 35 and had 10 jobs. And you think some of that's crazy, but it's true. Look around. There's people not in this church today because they're offended and go somewhere else. Right. And maybe you're in this room that you came today because you was offended by the other church you were just at. What was this today, Lord? Because we're looking for the perfect scenario. If I'm offended, guess what? I'm out. Can't find the perfect man. Can't find the perfect woman. I offend this woman daily. <laughs> She's keeping quiet. That's more dangerous than talking. <laughs> but what do we do? We, we know that these things happen, so we have to realize that it's going to happen, and we got to adjust to it. It's not like it happens on purpose, and sometimes there is some just mean people out there. But people have left, and how many churches they've been to? Man, I know some people that's had at least 10 jobs. My dad told me one time, he's like, and that is crazy. Somebody having ten jobs. I've had three jobs my whole life. That is nuts. On man, ten jobs in one year. Do that on your taxes. <laughs> Who wants that? Why? Because we can never be satisfied, and every offense keeps taking us somewhere else. And whether it's the church or whatever, and I've said it many times, it's so funny. And I keep I'm sticking on this because why do people leave churches? And yet, go right back to Mickey D's that messed up your order. <laughs> or back to, the, back to the store, or back to whatever it is. But when it becomes the church, they put the church on such a pedestal that never, none of that should ever happen. I'm offended by the word of God. It offends me. Why? Because my flesh cries out. I don't want to change that, God. You're telling me I have to forgive that person? I'm offended now. I didn't do anything wrong. And so that's what happened. So if, if you realize that people are going to be offended left and right, it's just how do you deal with that? People will bounce around from job to job to relationship to relationship. Oh, it's all good in the beginning. I've said it many times, like, just wait. It looks like it's all good. Honeymoon stage of job or relationship. Just watch it. Watch it unfold. Let it get settled. Because they've not changed their heart pattern, and it's going to go right back to the same thing. They're going to find a fence, and eventually it'll break them apart. Because the enemy always wants to separate. Yeah. And you find people walking out of church, walking out of work, walking out of relationships. 
walking out all kinds of stuff. You cannot find a place where offenses do not come. They come. I know Peter had to feel real offended when Jesus looked at him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. I would have I would have had to swallow something on that one because I'm like, I'm 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 with you. Like they they come. But a lot of times is when you're dealing with offenses, you've got to take a deep look at yourself. Why do you feel attacked? We'll get into that. I've already read the scripture in Luke 17. There's a part of it that says, Woe to him through whom they do come. Woe to the one that does the offending. Woe to the one who they come through. So look, all you offenders out there trying to get happy and maybe nudging somebody or like maybe you're that guy that, you know, I, I offend people. Don't, don't get too happy. Don't get too slap happy. Don't get too prideful because the Bible says, woe to you who make a heart on my children. It would be better that a millstone be tied around your neck and cast into the sea. Then to harm my child. Amen. God's got some good bling for some people, right? Put something around your neck and throw it. I don't know if you understand what a millstone is, but they would put some animals on this big round stone and walk in a circle to, to grind up the meal or to, to crush grapes or whatever the case is. It says, woe to that person that would cause harm to a child. And that would be better if they put a put a, a chain around that millstone, put your neck around that, and throw you over. Try to get out of that one. And you might look at it as like, you know, you might say, well, don't touch, you know, don't touch God's anointed. Don't, 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 don't come against the man of God or the woman of God. Yeah, those. Those things are true, but let's just leave that out of the picture. Don't touch God's children. Bottom line, we all are children of God. Don't touch the least. He said the least. Don't even mess with the least. I don't care if it's the street sweeper. I don't care if the guy lives in the penthouse or whatever side it is. Don't mess with the children of God. Because if those people that will offend you and do that, it says it's better that they will have this hung around their neck and be thrown into the sea. Now, it is the craziest thing. God's like, look, the mill's going to be tied around your neck and you're just thrown into the sea. God's like a gangster, man. Like, <laughs> like for real, crazy. Why would you say something so crazy? Because he takes his children so serious. Because he loves them so much. To offend, to offend one of his children. Listen, you realize that you are a child of God. We're not just talking about little kids. We're talking about anybody that calls on Jesus. You're a child of God. Amen. So for all the offenders, you're not going to get by with them. Because God says you offended one of mine. We've all dealt with that. We've all had stuff where people have been this. If I can say anything, don't take matters in your own hands. It'll only make it worse. 
That means if I'm one of his, I don't have to defend myself. Because God has something covered for that. Don't defend, don't, don't defend yourself. I got you. Already got the chain ready. Already got the stone ready. Like God's got it covered for those who offend his children. Because the Bible, like I said last week, what, what does he say? He says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Quit trying to fight and swing it. I need to, I need to prove it. I need to let God fight your battles. It's his. You stand there and watch what God does. He says it's his. It's better that they would get that. Or you get yours. Look, somebody can be physically like you're getting up. If God is saying, look, we're going to tie something around the neck, throw them in the water. That's crazy. That wouldn't make sense. Why would God say that? He's not like that. But it does talk about how he is a lamb, but he is a lion. And his children are valuable to him. God has already placed inside of you a method of dealing with offenses of life. I don't know if you understand that or have seen it, but he's already placed methods in you. To him who much is given, much is required. The more you have, the more offenses you will occur. Your level of being able to deal with offenses determines the level of which God can elevate you. How do you deal with offenses? That's going to be the measuring rod of how God can elevate you. If you can't handle a first grade offense, you can't have a master's degree life. You think this is crazy because this is real stuff. There are people with simple things that get so offended by the littlest things. If you can't handle, how is God going to elevate you if you can't even handle the small stuff? Until what? Until you can handle the small stuff. Well, how do you handle the small stuff? There's always a test. And you look at that and you're like, man, I don't want to deal with that one more time. But well, how else is he going to know you can handle it unless you get put in position for it? Again, there's no way in life that you're going to say, I just want to be without offenses or blah, blah, blah. Well, if I could just live on my own and have my own property and live so far away and not socialize with anybody, well, that's not the will of God. Because he's called us to seek and save the lost, to make an impact. The Great Commission is to go. Again, like I said many times, you sit at the rapture bus stop waiting for God to get you. That's not doing anything. You're not even moving a muscle right here in this moment. God's called you to be active, to keep going. And here's the thing, even though you think you qualify with your prayer and your praise and your tithing and your giving, and you think you qualify with your hallelujah, good preaching, and you feel like you qualify to live that master degree life, and here's the thing, because you don't have a system in place to handle offenses, you still have a first grade life. Man. Because you're not able to just throw it off. A few weeks ago, I talked about that. The system. You want to change the results of things? You've got to change the system. You can't go over here and change this and think everything's going to continue to change. You change the system and watch the results change on their own. Amen. And it's like anything. 
have to change the system. But if you don't change the system, you will continue to have that, I guess you would say, first grade life. And here's the thing, there's a clog. It's clogged in your arteries. What should flow through you is what? Because you're not pure in heart. And so you have a, a, a blocked artery. It's clogging and it's not able to flow. Not because they did the events, but because you don't know how to get rid of it. So it's blocked. You have a blockage. And that blockage is not allowing you to get rid of it. So anytime anything small and especially big happens, you already are set off because there's a blockage. People have blockages and it hurts. I remember I, I, I called and asked my mom about it because there was a time my sister was struggling. And she's still off and on is, is struggling. <coughs> but she was having so much trouble with her stomach that her and her intestines that it started causing her bowels to block up. Having so many crazy issues, started creating toxins in her body. She had to have surgery. She had to have some of her intestines cut out, shrunk, you know, whatever's left of them and, and, and redirected. All kinds of stuff was happening. And she was unable, because the bowels wasn't able to move it was shutting her body down. I think what needs to happen at times is we need to start thanking God for the crazy stuff. And, and those kind of things are important too. Like thanking God for digestion. You don't hear a lot of people giving testimony to that. I just thank the Lord that I'm regular today. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, you, don't, you don't hear people talking about digestion being regular until you're not. You know what I'm saying? Until you're not. And when they're not regular, they're sending prayer requests. Lord, I, just, just help me pray for release, Lord. You know, like, Lord, let me release. You know? Until you're not, then you're, you're sending prayer requests for release. And now here's the thing, listen. This is, this is funny because it's working for you. But if you were backed up right now and dying, there would be nothing funny about it. You see what I'm saying? It's funny because it's working for you. Praying for a release, praying for digestion. It's funny because it works, but if it wasn't working, you would be dying. You would be in some serious trouble right now. And the reality is that the only reason you can sit here and laugh is because it works for you. Right. Nothing would be funny at all if it wasn't working. Your body would get sick because which you should be able to do is backed up inside of you. You can't be pure, so your skin starts to be affected. You can tell by the skin color because something is wrong. You can tell in the eyes. The eyes are starting to get affected because they start changing. You can tell by the behavior because the body is is throwing off, which is impure. It starts to react in your body. All because there's a blockage. 
bondage happening, and it messes you up. Now apply all of that I just said to your spirit. What is clogging you in your heart that comes out of your speech and your anger and your bitterness? It's clogged up, and what else is coming out? The only thing that's coming out because it's all clogged up is the frustration and the anger and the bitterness. It's because you've got a blockage. And the blockage is also blocking your blessings. Jesus said, you are to forgive. No matter what they have to do, whatever they've done, whatever they've thrown at you, you have to throw it off. This throwing off something can be hard when somebody does something and offends you and you have to throw it off. It can be frustrating. Sometimes I don't like it. Because when people do stuff to you and you throw it off, Sometimes the people that do this to you and you throw it off, they take it as weakness. Oh, I got it. And you don't want that. I'm not weak. Anybody ever dealt with that? When, if you just throw it off, then they look at it like, well, they win because they think I'm weak because I threw it off. They take it as weakness. And I'm not weak. The Bible says, when something is wrong, you confront it. When somebody does you wrong, you go to them. Go to that person. Because you are not going to be able to release what you will not confront. There's a blockage. If you don't confront it, you won't release it. And one of the quickest ways to end something is to harbor unsaid stuff. Sweep it under the rug. And then you wonder where the intimacy went. Unsaid stuff just kept sweeping the intimacy in a friendship and, and, and a spouse or whatever the case, you just keep sweeping it under the rug. And what happens is it went out, and it went out with the fact that you didn't speak up. You harbor all this stuff, and all you could have, all you had to do was just speak up. You need to find your voice and say, I don't like that. Stop. But too many times people take it, they harbor it, they sweep it under a rug, and it keeps going and going and going and going and going. Okay, that's work. I keep doing it. <laughs> I want to turn green real quick. Keep, no, don't stop. I didn't tell you to stop. No, just hit it. Been working out. <laughs> well, keep going. The reason. Go ahead, punch it. The reason. Are you back like that? 
The reason it keeps he keeps on hitting me is because I didn't say nothing. I didn't tell him to stop. You got more than that. I didn't tell him to stop. And as long as I don't say anything, he's going to keep hitting me. And I can't forgive him why he's hitting me. Stop! Until, until I stop and say, I don't like, stop hitting me. Until he comes into this, this conversation, I can't release him because I keep allowing him to hit me. But you see what I'm saying? The more, this is people in your life. They just keep hitting you and doing stuff and saying stuff and writing about you and trashing you. And you keep allowing it because you ain't saying nothing. You keep allowing these things to happen. Once we stop, it gives me release. You don't have to get all, all crazy. The Bible does say because people are like, oh, watch your anger. Oh, he said you can be angry, just don't sin. Sin not. If your anger gets the best of you and causes you to sin, you've got to check yourself on that. Right. There's many stories in the Bible. But if you keep allowing and you keep shutting it up, nothing's going to change. And you keep having this block if you have to release it. Things you go through. If you allow it, it can make you better. It can make you stronger. There are parts of you you have to let go. If you're not, if not you, it will, and it'll do a number on you. Then it basically just keep the blockage up and won't have that connection and the blessing God has for you. The Bible says, blessed are those impure in heart, for they shall see God. Basically, the more you get rid of bitter, bitterness, which bitterness turn, which bitterness is what anger turns into, he says the more you get rid of it, the more you're going to see God in every form of your life. You're going to see God show up. You're going to see God make a way. You're going to see God open a door. You're going to see God fight for you. The more you get rid of bitterness, the more you get rid of anger, the more you get rid of that, you, keep, you just keep allowing these things to happen. You've got to say something. You don't have to do that anymore. doesn't mean you have to get into this weird mode, but you've got to speak up. But if you just get rid of it, you're going to see God. And that might go against your character, like, man, I'm a fighter. I'm this, I'm that. Me just getting rid of it makes it look like I'm weak, like I said. Listen, that's not weakness. That's actually strength. That's strength. Because God's ways are way different than your ways. When he tells you to turn the other cheek, that's crazy. But God was never normal in a lot of things he did. He was just trying to strengthen the character. Than thinking you can win a two-minute fight. Whether you do or not. He's wanting your character straight. And, and I'll, I'll say it like this. That's why I don't respond to haters. I let God respond to haters. 
You know why? Because they come and they go. The more you ignore it, the more it dies off. Because they come, they go. Because what happens is, when you get in the fight of haters and the people that you're dealing with, you give life to the fight. Here's the reality. Whatever you speak to is going to keep living. Think about this. Whatever you speak to keeps living. So it's, if it's people that you're frustrated with and you keep having these, it, whatever you continue to speak to keeps living. I guess bottom line is to shut up and let God do it. But because of our pride, what do we want? I want the last word. I gotta say something. No. Shut up. Let God do it. He, he got a special necklace made for them. Because God can take care of it. But too many times, we want to keep it alive. And we're so frustrated. And we make it a prayer request. And we're like, they just won't. I, I can't believe it. They won't stop. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, one more time. It's because you keep bringing life to the situation. Shut it down. Whether you have to ignore it or what, just keep moving forward. Keep your eyes on the Lord. You cannot go forward looking backwards. And nowhere in your past is going to help your future. You see what I'm saying? You have to keep looking forward. Here's what's crazy. He called the disciples apostles in the back end of the scripture. Calling them apostles speaks to calling them apostles speaks to their calling, to their status at which they have arrived. They have come to a high status, but they still have small thinking. God's called them apostles, but yet they still have small thinking. Has your status gone beyond your behavior? Man. It is possible to have a status up here and a behavior pattern that you're dealing with down here. I've been serving God for 20-something years. But your behavior is still down here. You see what I'm saying? There's an issue. It's possible to be mature in this area and immature over here in this area. Have you? Let me say something. Have you ever met somebody that are so wonderful? I mean, they're just amazing until you cross them. Have you ever met somebody like that that's just great people until you do them wrong or until you cross them? Maybe I'm the only one that's dealing with people. You meet them, you're, and then something goes wrong and you're like, what the heck just happened? They're just the best people in the world as long as you don't cross them. They're so sweet. They're such a blessing. They're good with their words and praise the Lord. They suck you in. And then when you cross them, they're like, ah! I'm like, where did the, what the, who is this person? You ever thought that? Like, who is this person? Because I thought this, because you were pretty smooth at, like, I, what, what did we say earlier, the camouflage thing? You, you, you did a good job. And then all of a sudden, something don't go your way and they act out. 
it's good over here, but down here, that's my behavior. I'm highly flavored and favored and down there. Still acting out. This has nothing to do with gifts and talents or even just how, how small they are in, in what they're doing. Your gifts can be on an apostolic level. But your ability to cast off offenses could be on a kindergarten level. God could be an old man and apostolic this and, and God's using I'm level up here and God's got this but your way to a handle offenses is down here. You see it too many times. They put the God stamp and they, they, they have this big illusion. They suck you into it and make you look like, man, all things are good with you. Pray. Get my hanky going. Praise the Lord. See, the baby's crying. Praise the Lord. But you see what I'm saying? Like, But when it comes to handling the offense, they turn into another person. They'll cuss you out with the Bible on their hand. They're, they're the same ones who are offended because, look, I used to, I'm a work in progress, guys, please believe me. I used to go to a church that I was serving at, and there was a few people in the church that would leave their Bibles in their seat so they could save their seat for the next service, which is next week. And I always wondered, why would they always do that? So I would move their Bibles to a different location. Like, you would sit there and move over there. No, I could see him. Or I would sit in their seat and move their Bible. You talk about the mother of the church or, or somebody that's just like loving the Lord and they can pray the devils out of you. You see a devil when you get in their seat. When you move the Bible and they're prayer and they're, they're a little fan from the, the bank. <laughs> Remember those? We thank the Lord for our AC. But you and it, they're Christians. They love the Lord. They're on apostolic level. They're speaking into their, declaring the word of the Lord. They're prophesying. And they'll cuss you out if you get up in their mess. We have a huge problem here. Where people are calling themselves Christians and looking the part here, but when something offends them, they're way down here. And so you level that out, then where are you really? Where are you really? Well, I've done this, and I've done that, and I'm this, and I'm that. Are you? All you talk about is you. <laughs> How many people actually have you led to the Lord today, or this month, or this year? You see what I'm saying? These are hard things we got to deal with. Increase my faith, God. <sighs> anyway, I'm going to get off this. Is this going to be mad? There is Sometimes your gifts and talents in ministry and even business and life can take you way up there. But if you really can't deal with conflict, it'll put you right down to that first grade level. And here's the thing. And here's the problem why this happens. It's because where you, your first big offense happened and it's how you handle it. Think about this. A lot of times people are like, at, they feel like they're here, and then when offended, they're here. It's because they still stuck when that very first offense happened in their life. There's a lot of people that have been offended, and they've not let go of it. They've held this thing since they were kids. 
And now whatever that is has shaped who they are. And now their kids are, are reacting to it because they've shaped their kids into the same kind of pattern. Dysfunction all day long. And now they don't know how to get rid of it because in the end, if I try to get rid of it, I don't know who I am without this because this is who I've become. But if they would just realize that Jesus Christ is He's the great physician that he can just put something in there that's called love and hope and, and joy and gladness. And you see what I'm saying? He can change all of that and reform what you think you are. Yeah. And here's the problem. Now it's become the standard of how I handle everything because of the, the very first big offense. So you've got adults acting like children because they have learned to deal with offenses by having a temper tantrum. And even though you have titles, and even though you have position, people who know you personally, when you get mad, they know you tear everything up. You tear it all up. You act up, and you're a whole different person. When you get offended, you get this blockage in your soul. And you don't know how to throw it off. So like when he was talking about doing the right math, like we talked about last week, Jesus was saying 70 times 7, 490 times? Are you kidding me? And it wasn't really about keeping count. It was actually about losing count. And here's the craziest part, because here's where the disciples and the apostles, here's where the maturity started to take off. Because if, if you're having this conversation and he's like, if he offends you, you're forgiven. If he doesn't seven times, forgive him. Some people would have questions like, man, when, I'm done with this. But the maturity kicked in. And it wasn't even about like, I got a question about this. I'm tired of this person. Why does this keep happening? All they said was, increase my faith. There's where maturity God increased my faith because I know for a fact that I can't get away from not being offended or it coming at me. So you have to increase my faith to deal with this. He's talking about that. When it comes to human conflict, people are not using their faith for the conflicts they have in their life. They're not using faith. They're just trying to use their flesh. Your faith should inform your lifestyle. There's a generation of people who have faith, but the faith does not inform their lifestyle. You have faith, but your faith is not getting through to your lifestyle. You believe it, you cherish it, you rely on it, but it does not inform your lifestyle because you have a blockage. You're a Christian in your heart, but you've got a blockage. And the blockage doesn't let you throw off what you need to throw off. So you are carrying tons of debris. And Jesus keeps saying, offenses do come. Sounds like they come on a regular. They just keep coming. And here's the thing. You need a system in place to help you when the offenses come so you can stay healthy. So you can go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. But if you believe the offense, believing that the offense is going to destroy you and stop you and ending your promises, then you, you have to hold on to the bitterness. Because now that things have shut
shut your life down. Now you have held on to everything of the offense. You have let it become true, and it has literally stopped you and shut you down. Which means, you don't have to come up here, but here's what this means. That you have more faith in the offender and what they keep doing to you then you have faith in God who can deliver you. You won't let it stop you and you, and you just hold you up. You can't get through the offense. And that means you have more faith in the offender than you do the God who can deliver you. Because you keep allowing it to happen. And sometimes it's like that negative attention is still attention. You've got to say, stop. I'm not doing that anymore. I don't have faith in that anymore. I'm not putting any of that in that anymore. Increase my faith, God. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. If you really believe it, that means the one who keeps punching me, it's not going to work anymore. It may mean I might be a little delayed, but I'm not denied. I might have a setback, but I'm going to recover. Because if you have faith, why are you still mad? I guess that's the big question. Why are you still mad if you have faith? Rarely do you hear any kind of sermon on this text. You know, we've we got these mountains in here. We've had them in here for a couple years. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell the to move. Absolutely. If you have faith as small as a mustard, you can tell them not to move. But the only other scripture that ever talks about a little mustard seed and faith is this one. Because it's not about, because all, we assume that. Because we're ready for that. We know that we can try to take that on. But it says if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can tell the tree to move. You put that tree up. Oh, I got me a little tree here. I try to bring one in for real. Hmm. I can see that. You can tell the tree to move, be pulled up and move. And the crazy thing is, why is Jesus talking about moving a tree and not a mountain? The mountain makes sense to me. The mountain makes sense because in the Bible, there ain't no bulldozer or any way to, to blow up a mountain and get the mountain to move. It's something that is just solid in your way, and i got to get over to that point over there, and I'm going to tell this thing to move. You can't be in my life. You've got to move. I can't move this. And he's talking about having faith as a, small as a mustard seed to tell the tree to move. What? You can cut a tree down. I can move a tree. You know how the good old boys do, though. Tie something back in the truck. <laughs> And watch your bumper fall off. Um, <laughs> and there's a good old, old beer, you know. We just said beer, beer. 
Um, <laughs> but you can, it looks like a bush. You can, you can cut a tree down. Freaking, in the Bible, they were chopping trees. They were doing all kinds of stuff. They were building all kinds of stuff. You can get rid of a tree. It makes sense to have faith to move a mountain. You see that mountains go. I don't even know how to get through it, so I'll let it be a, a faith walk. The reason he uses a tree instead of a mountain in this whole conversation is because a mountain does not have roots. He uses the tree because a mountain doesn't have roots. A mountain goes up, but on the tree, the roots come down. Mountain doesn't have roots. Yes, you have to have faith to move a mountain. And he's giving you the same scenario with the same amount of faith and the strength of it, saying, you can tell that tree to move. Everything goes up, but the tree roots go down. It's easy to cut it down. But here's the problem. You can cut down a tree, but it can still grow back. You can cut down branches off of it, but it can still grow back. And here's the big thing. Unless you pull it up by the root, and the only speaks to the tree. He speaks to the tree because he's saying you can pull this up by a root and you can tell it to leave. Why does he mention the root? Because offenses leave a root. Your offenses leave a root. Why is he in there preaching about like saying you can tell this tree to leave? Because when you are get offended, it leaves a root, and a root keeps growing deeper and deeper and deeper, and it is hard to get rid of a root. But you can tell it to leave. You have to decide, is the root more valuable than the blessing? If you holding on to the root, is it more valuable, more fulfilling than holding on to the blessing? Than keeping the root. What a crazy concept. You don't really hear about this stuff. He's saying, listen, you can tell that tree, we're talking about offenses, it can be uprooted. Not even just like tell the tree to leave. He's talking about grabbing it from the root and putting it in the, in the water. Uprooting it and raising it up. And it's crazy because if you hold on to it, it's not going to do anything good. And the crazy thing is, is you can keep on to your root. You can ignore this message. It's probably not going to be a popular one online. It's just because what it is. But the reality is, if you've got, you've got to let go of the root. Because if you don't, you'll still hold on to it. You'll keep a hateful attitude. You'll keep a bitter spirit. You'll keep the condemnation. You'll keep that stuff and going. You'll keep listening to the worship. You'll keep hooting and hollering and saying, Well, God, that was good. You'll raise your hands and shout. And you'll come to church. And you'll still be hateful. If you don't let go of the root. You'll do all this other stuff and still hold on to the root. What is the root? I guess the question is, in your own personal life, what is that root? What is it? If you're going to walk out the spiritual, powerful life in, 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 your, in your daily walk, you have to find a way to get rid of it. 
listen, church, I'm not telling you to keep the person in your life. I'm not even telling you to get rid of the person in your life. I'm not even interested in the person that might have hurt you. I'm talking about the bitterness and the doubt and the negativity and the spiritual suspicion that comes into your life after you've been offended and offended and offended. We're not talking about the people that do it. It's about the stuff inside of you that happens to you. When God gets ready to send you a blessing, you can't receive the blessing because you're still holding on to the bitterness. Because the root of bitterness has got you held back. And in order to have your arms open to receive God and what he's about to do next in your life, you have to cast down every imagination and uproot the bitterness and drop the F-bomb. You've got to do it. Or this will continue to happen. You can, you can cut it up as much as you want, but until you uproot the, the root, it will continue to be in your life and grow when you can't see it. Talking about freeing your hands and freeing your heart and freeing the expectations so you can live as fullest. There's a reason why the Lord took the disciples to pray this prayer. And this prayer is crazy. Father, Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Woo! The scariest prayer, the scariest verse probably in the whole Bible. Think about it. Because you're asking God to treat me like I treat those who have been offending me. That's why it's best to have mercy in your life. That's why it's best to be merciful to people. That's why it's best if, if drama comes, just shut it down. Don't say nothing. Just stay away from it. Because listen, the rope that was made to hang you will end up hanging the person who made the rope. But if you keep on arguing and keep on, keep on entertaining those roots, it will end up hanging you. But if you keep merciful and you stay focused on God, the rope that was made to hang you will hang the person making it. I'll shout for that. That's good. <laughs> and that's why you have to. I'll say it like this. I'm not building me a hangman's noose and have to choke on my own rope. I'm going to keep to myself in this. I'm going to keep to the Lord. I'm going to keep my eyes on Him. Because the devil is alive. I'm not going to do it. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to drop the F-bomb. If not, every time you pray this prayer, you're praying for condemnation. Because you're asking God to manage you the way you manage people who offend you. Man. I'm not done with this. I know this is a lot. I could preach this for hours. Jesus, you have. <laughs> Whatever is on you, for where God wants to take you, you have to throw that stuff off because he's wanting to take you somewhere. The toxic waste that is running through your bloodstream is canceling out the blessing. 
one way or another, you have to figure out how to end the toxic behavior. Even if you have to say, yo, you stay over there, and I'm going to stay over here. Even if you can't work it out, it's not worth me missing out on God's blessing. It's not worth me missing out on God's blessing because I keep on trying to entertain something. If you got to separate, you got to separate. You have to release it. You have to release it. Everybody in the room say release. Release. No, say it like it's in your belly. Release. Release. You have to release it. That's why God wants you to do that. He wants you to release it so you can go forward in your life. So that your heart is open. So that you can be creative again. And think again. And be moving more. And move forward further. He wants to unclog your heart. And there's stuff in the way. And there's stuff that's stopping it. And as soon as you get that stuff out of the way, you'll feel like you've never felt before. Stand with you. You feel like you've never felt. I guess I'll say this in the end of this. Forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Amen. i say that one more time because I don't want to get too deep in this side of this. But forgiveness is a gift that you give yourself. What that's saying is, I cannot afford to put this much energy into being angry with you. With whoever that is. I can't afford to let it be every time that you walk in the room, I get upset. When I see you out in the battle, I'm so ticked off. That's too much energy to put into a direction that I'm no longer going. I hope this helps. So when I forgive you, it's not about you. It's about me. I cut the cord between you and me so I can be free. If it was so important, listen, this is how important it was that Jesus stopped dying to do it himself. I don't want to get too deep in what I'm about to get into in a couple weeks. But Jesus stopped dying to make this point. That's why it was so important. Before I die, Jesus is saying, that before I die, I got to do this and get this off of me because three days from now, I got to be operating at 100%. Because three days from now, I got to be at my best. I cannot go to the grave and still be angry with the guy who nailed me to the cross. I have to have a pure heart. I want it off of me. Father, forgive them. The good news is, is you can get it off of you. The same way Christ got it off. See, don't worry about me. Don't, don't worry about me. You have to get it straight with the Father because if you don't get it straight, the millstone's coming for your neck. I got to worry about me. You got to worry about you. The millstone, I, listen, I'm not going down with you. I cut the cord. I'm not going down. Because the people that offend you, if you keep on, you keep on, keep getting offended, and you keep on entertaining, you keep on, you, you might as well, you're already up in the face, and you, what you didn't realize is the cord's wrapped around your neck too, and you're both going in the water. I'm not going down with you. And listen, like I said last week, I ain't going to hell for nobody. To understand how to forgive is to release that forgiveness 
and understand that forgiveness is not a feeling. How do I release it? You realize it's not a feeling. The reason that people cannot do this because people are being controlled by their feelings. The craziest part about that last scripture that talks about removing the, the tree, it said if, if, if you go by faith, the faith of a mustard seed, it, it should obey you. Not obey anything else. You. It will obey you. You don't realize the power you have inside of your mouth and, and the, the, the strength you have. It will obey you. The bitterness, the anger, the rage, getting even, that's not going to that's not gonna work. It says that it should obey you. Forgiveness is not about weakness. It's about getting control back in your life. Hello. It's about me no longer being vulnerable to your behavior. Man, hear this, guys. This is, this is good stuff. And what you did to me, and what you said about me, and how you did this, it's not about, it's about getting control back in your life. So you can see, so basically I can see you. And you don't change my mood. If I see you out and about, listen, I'm talking to you guys. Listen, you got to think of this. When you see that person or whatever, that it doesn't change your mood. I just had a bad day because I saw, no, you had a bad moment. You let it linger all day. It's about getting control back. Because as long as it affects your mood, that means, can I, just, can I just break it down real quick as we leave? As long as it affects your mood, it means that the thermostat is in their room. And you have to be led at whatever they change the dial to. But when I forgive you, I'm bringing the controls back into my life. I'm changing the thermostat. That back to what I need. I don't know how you're feeling over there, but over here it's really good. I'm getting the controls back. When you don't forgive and you keep harboring all that stuff, they got the thermostat. They changed the mood of you. Everything that keeps growing up in, in this has to move. Guys, this stuff is long, long term. This stuff has been going on for a long time. He says that my decision will make it obey me and rather me obeying it. This is why people have trouble forgiving because your emotions are the tree that controls your behavior. When you make the decision to uproot the emotion and say, I forgive you, that is the decision that will ultimately cause your emotions to be cast into the sea and get back the controls that have been controlling you. I think that the, the reason you think you can't forgive is because your emotions have been exalted above your decisions. You don't think you have... Forgiveness until emotions, your emotions let go. That means that your emotions are running you, and you are not running it. You got to flip the script. We're letting your emotions run your life. You know how many people make emotional decisions because they feel bad? Oh, I just did one of them. Oh, I better do that too. How many people? Have
people have you invited to certain things just because you felt bad and you knew you should have done it. We'll leave that alone. That stuff's real though, man. Like, oh, you know, because somebody, whether you have parties or whatever the case, people do that, man, they're so tore up, and then you're still trapped because they own the thermostat and they change it and have the screen. Invite somebody to take something, off. even though you don't want to or something. If you consistently resist your emotions, you will bring them down to captivity. Church, this message is for everybody and anybody. This hits me right between my eyeballs. You will never feel forgiven until you learn how to forgive. Because what's happened is people have held grudges. What's happened is because some of you don't feel forgiven because forgiveness is not even a reality in your experience. You were raised around people who held grudges. Your parents maybe held grudges. Your grandma sat on the couch and talked about people all day long and took to her grave. I'm just saying, like, I'm saying, like, people do this. And so the reality of you understanding forgiveness is based on your experience with the people that you grew up with. And even though you come to church, you can't conceive forgiveness because you've never been in a forgiving environment. You are a product of your environment. And you've been acting just like your environment. As soon as you forgive somebody, then you will understand that it is possible to bring it to the cross. When you forgive somebody, it is possible to bring it to the cross. And what's the cross? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Forgiveness is deep, church. It's deep. It's deep-rooted. People have been doing this for generations. You might have had grown up like that. Do you know these trees last like four or five hundred years? And think of the generation after generation that have dealt with grudges and different things with people. And it's a part of your life because that's how you've been shaped and created. So that's why it's tough. Back to the scripture. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell the tree to move and be cast into the sea. Nobody talks about that. Because it's more... It, it's actually harder for the tree to go into the sea than the mountain. Look at all the roots. Look at all the stuff that you have held on to. Look at all the things that, have, that nobody sees. The tree's beautiful. It's like a huge bush. Nobody see. Nobody can see it. Looks good, huh? Show your best high dress. But if people would see what is beneath it. God's saying, listen, you can't get this out of here. You don't need that. You, I have a plan. God says this. I have a plan for your life. To prosper you. To do great things for you. He's got a plan. You just got to get the tree. I'm not taking lightly what has happened to you. If anybody's hurt you or however, the offense and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I'm not taking that lightly. But it's more for your freedom. Get the controls back. Get your freedom back. Get your fight back. Get your happy back. You know what I mean? That's your happy shot. Okay. Controls. <laughs> get all of that. Take control. Somebody told me, it was my wife, she said, I was struggling with something. Why are you dealing with this? Why does this get you so bound up? They're not losing sleep over it. Why are you? <laughs> Chew on that one, buddy. You were hitting me. You're on the call, you know. But you got to realize 
No matter what. No matter what parents have done, no matter what things have happened deep in the past that has caused you to think certain ways. And it lashes out later. Woo, I'm a apostolic praise of the Lord. Hallelujah. And at first offense, I'll cut you like no one I'll Tupac you. No. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Got a little serious, a little weird at the same time. Come pray. And if you need prayer today, I knew this message was going to be a little long. And a lot to think about. Because these trees exist everywhere. They need uprooting. God's got a plan. And if you're dealing with this for real today, and if that's you, honestly, I'm just asking in this room, how many of you are dealing with what I just talked about? Raise your hand. A lot. Actually, keep your hand up. This ain't nothing bad. Okay. Okay. Keep it up. Now, some of you that are with your hand down, maybe go, don't say much, just put your hand on their shoulder. Keep your hand up. All the other ones need to move. If you're not, if you're not dealing with this, then we're family. You see what I'm saying? We're the church. We're, life's better together. And we're going to help hold you up. Now look, I can't uproot your roots. You know what I'm saying? I can't do it. I can't uproot it. I can't move it, but you can. But guess what we can do? We can lift you up in prayer. Has everybody got somebody? Anybody? There's one back there. In the back. Okay, everybody? Mom's got her hands all reached out. Okay. Everybody? Everybody? Right here? Somebody, can you, somebody come over here. We good? Listen. Don't say a prayer. We're going to stand in agreement because we deal with this. This is how we show to each other. This is how we, we fight for each other. We can't change your bitterness. We can't even approach your roots. You can do that. But we can fight in prayer. And you can know that somebody around you has got your back. That somebody can help you. No matter what. And no matter who you think needs to be behind you, beside you, we're a church. We're going to lift it up together. So everybody close your eyes. We're going to pray. And if you're praying for the people with their hands up, please, uh, please pray with me. God, we thank you for this day, God. God, we pray that you touch them, God. All the bitterness and all the, the stuff that does not belong, God, God, we pray that you touch their heart, you touch their soul, you touch their body, God, whatever is rooted inside of them, God, all the things, God, that are rooted, God, we pray that you do a work, God. God, you're, you said you're faithful, God, and God, give us the strength, God, to have the faith, God, to move forward, God, in this. God, I pray you touch them, God, in the name of Jesus. Touch their lives, God, whatever it is, whatever the situations are, God, that has been in their life, God, that has bound them, that has held them, that's hurt them, God. God, I pray that you touch them, God, in the name of Jesus, God. Have your way in their life, God. God, let freedom come into their life, God. And whatever it is, we don't take it lightly, God. I know it's even a pain even to bring up and even be thinking about, God. God, I pray you touch them, Lord, in the name of Jesus, what they're dealing with, God. 
God, let your love consume their soul, God, as we, as we pray, God, for each other, God. Let your love consume them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, I pray you touch them, God, from the top to the, to the bottom, God. God, I pray you set them free and give them the boldness to say no and give them the boldness to take the thermostat back and let them not have to live with that anymore, that they can choose to do the right thing, God. God, and that's just keeping their eyes on you, God. And you will fight their battles, God. And God, you even said, vengeance is mine. And so, God, you got it. You got the chain ready. You got the, 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 the stone ready, God. We will just serve you and follow after you. God, I pray a blessing and I pray a healing over their body, God. God, whatever it is that in their mind and in their heart and their soul, God, that has shaped them and has hurt them, God. God, we pray that we... We start to feel and hear the sound of a rumbling in the ground because roots are being uprooted in this place, God, and in their homes, God, and whoever they deal with, God. Give them the boldness to say that I forgive you. Give them the boldness to move forward, God, in the things of you, God. Give them boldness just to keep their eyes on you and not look to the left, not look to the right, not search the web, not search social media, to keep it on you, God. You fight our battles. God, let the let the ground start shaking because roots are coming up. Total freedom. God, I also pray you give them the best sleep they've ever had in their life tonight. Touch their mind, give them dreams and visions, God. Let them take on this week, God, with a boldness and a direction after you. And nothing's going to stop them. Nothing's going to shake them. They have nothing to say, nothing to prove, God. They're just following after you. God, the people that have offended these people, I pray you touch them from the top. Let it be like coals on their head, God. Let it be a conviction all over them, God. Touch them. Heal their bodies. Heal their, heal their soul. Whatever has happened, God. We love you today. How's your way?